Isn't that why we're here? More about Jesus. You know, it's very interesting. I was thinking as we were singing that song together, sometimes, you know, the words of the song can just really take your heart deep into the thought. And I was thinking, you know, that's what we really need. To understand more about how Jesus wants to work in our lives, moment by moment. It's even difficult to convey, but as, as we're sitting here today, God is interested in every problem that we have, friends. Amen. In every situation that we're facing. And every one of us here has some different twists to the things that we're facing. None of us here are free of perplexities, free of trials, free of difficulties. And God has the solution for us. And that's the closing message of this series this weekend is the solution to every problem. But you know, if we don't come to really know more about how Jesus, not just more about him, but that song is not just talking about knowing more about him, like we can just know more about history. It's talking about knowing him. You know, when he says there in Matthew 7, where he says the saddest words that mortals will ever hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And remember, he's not saying that to the, the world who's never taken him up upon their lips, who've never who've never professed him. He's saying that to the people who are saying, but Lord, I did these Bible studies. I I, I cast out demons. I did all manner of good works for you. That's the people. Sadly, that's the, the people that Jesus will be saying it to. And the reason he'll be saying it to those people is because they knew about him. They could talk about him. But they never came into that marriage heart to heart with Jesus. They never allowed Jesus to be merged into them so that that human nature that all of us struggle with was never really willing to be submerged under the divine nature of Christ. You know, that's how he lived his life here on earth. He lived his life here on earth by allowing the human and divine to be portrayed. A man walking on this earth for you and I. And that's what he wants in our marriages, brothers Amen. and sisters. He wants us to know so much about him and how it is that he leads us that he can bring us the solution to every problem that we face Amen. in our marriages. And he has the answer, friends. And I'm thrilled as we can share together today because we are experiencing more and more of those answers in our marriage. And I can truly say to you at the beginning of this message today, it's not here in my notes, but I can say to you today that there's no one on this earth that I would rather spend time with than my dear wife. And that was not something I could say in the early part of our marriage. There is no one that I would rather be with than my wife that God has given me. And that is because God is teaching us how 
to rise above the problems. He has the solution for every problem. Mm-hmm. You know, if Tom would have said that to me years ago, those would have been very hurtful words. But they're not hurtful. They're a joy to hear because I know it's real. I know from living with him that he likes being with me. And that says a lot, especially to you husbands. It's easier, I think, for a wife to just oh, just enjoy being around their husbands. I think they're more emotionally based, more emotionally attached. Uh, maybe it's more romantic. I don't know what the right word is, but it's not always that way with men. Part of that attitude that men have has come from some of the world's solutions right. to problems. Today we're going to be talking about solutionary problems. We'd like to share with you some very classic, popular counsel. Not from God, but from what many families, husbands and wives, are getting from counselors that are man's ideas that are supposed to be a solution to their problem. One of the most common ones we hear when husbands and wives, they're young couples and they're struggling to get along and they're having some marital problems, some uh, she's very much himself and he's very much himself, and they go to someone and say, what do you think will help us to come together and have more unity in our home, to have a deeper relationship? Do you know what they're told to do? Have a child. That'll bring you together. Now that sounds kind of funny in this setting. But that's true. That is what people, young couples, are being counseled to do. That it may deepen their relationship. They will have something now in common. It will be a part of them and they'll stop being so selfish with each other because they will throw their lives together into the heart and into the life of this new child. And it does often have that temporary effect. Mm -hmm. But then, like everything else, and I hate to say it this way, but like everything else, the newness of that experience, the emotion of that experience wears away, and it's not sufficient. Now it becomes more of the problem of the marriage. It's another burden in the marriage. It's it's another perplexity. Another area. And, And there's partial truth in this. Just don't worry about your husband. Just take care of yourself. Now, that is true. We should not worry about our husbands. But we don't understand that taking care of ourselves means our heart is surrendered to the will of God. That taking care of yourself means you kind of do what you want to do. You buy what you want to buy. You go where you want to go. You have your own interests. Let him do his thing. You do yours and you'll get along better. That way you won't have to be irritated by his things and he won't be bugged by your things and you just go on in life doing those things together. We know people today that have picked that idea up as a solution to their difficulties and now they live separate lives Mm -hmm. in the same home. They take separate vacations. He doesn't like where she goes. She doesn't like what he does. He has his checking account. She has her checking account. They just share a household. That isn't what God is asking us to do to solve problems in a marriage, is it? Mm -mm. And we use, again, we use these kind of examples. They're stark. And some people think, 
wow, isn't that kind of far out? But you know, in many homes today, little elements of that start to crop up. And if you will ask the Lord, is that happening in my home? And start evaluating it on God's basis. And you may find that there's symptoms of that in your own home where it's just easier to go this way by myself and not really talk about that with my wife. And she goes this way. You know, one of the other things that is being said to solve these problems today you're just too much to yourselves. You, you need to get socially involved. If you'll start inviting people over to your house, and here again, there's truth mixed with this. You know, the devil's good at mixing truth and error. If you'll just have more social outreach, bring people into your home, get a crowd around you. You get on better that way. Yes. You'll be put in a position to interact better in that setting because you really can't let them see who you really are. Isn't that the understatement of that? It doesn't work, friends. Being a social butterfly, so to speak, is not the answer to solving the problems that God wants to solve. I'd like to share a couple of verses from Paul. These are God's words to us, and they really, when we stop and think about them, in the light of the discussion that we're having, and if we apply these words and we evaluate our lives by what this is saying, we'll find out that God has a special message for our hearts, everyone here, including our hearts here today, through these words. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter and the 21st verse, it says, The world by wisdom knew not God. Isn't that what we've been talking about? In, in the financial area, yesterday we talked about forgiveness. The world, in its wisdom, knows not God. Then in chapter 3, it continues and it says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. That's a message to our hearts. If we think we've got the answers, let us become a fool in man's wisdom and let's learn how to really be wise with Christ. It goes on in verse 19, chapter 319. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And then finishing up in verse 21, let no man glory in men. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. But do you know what God has promised? Let's look at the book of James, chapter 1, verse 4, 5. If any of you, that means me, if I lack wisdom, what does God say I can do? I can ask him. It doesn't matter what my problem is. It doesn't what my perplexity is. It doesn't matter what our relationship is. If there is a problem, God has promised, God has invited us, he's told us, he's commanded us, that if we don't know what to do, if we lack wisdom, we can ask him. And it says he gives to all men liberally. That means he just doesn't give it to us. He'll give it to every single individual if we're willing to ask him. And then what does it say at the end? And it shall be given him. God will give every one of us the answer that we need to every problem we face. Amen. And we will face problems, friends. Do you know that? Every one of us 
is going to face problems, and we're going to face the problems even if we're in absolute harmony with God and in complete harmony with one another. We're going to face problems. In fact, we're supposed to count it all joy when we enter into diverse temptations, right? That doesn't mean we count it all joy when when the devil sticks a temptation on our nose. But the context of that is we are to count it all joy when we have the privilege of rising above temptation. Amen. Count it all joy that we have a Savior who is allowing us to be tested in such a way. And you know that every trial is weighed and measured by God. Did you know that? God still sits enthroned above the distractions of the earth. That has brought me such comfort. I cannot tell you when trials come to me, the Lord brings that thought to me, and immediately I find His Spirit just putting my, my soul at rest because I know that God is in control if I will allow Him to be. It says every trial is weighed and measured. That means it came through the hand of God before it reached into my life, into my thoughts, into my experience. That's why even people have said to me, every trial? See, God is never afraid to speak in absolutes. God can say every trial. God can say never. God is not afraid of those words. Mm-hmm. And people have said to me, you mean every trial? What about the ones that are self-induced? You ever had a self-induced trial? Probably the majority <laughs> of them. <laughs> Much of life is made up of those kind of problems. Self-induced trials because we won't listen to God the first time. That does not mean that God does not filter that trial, brothers and sisters. That does not mean that God does not still oversee it. I know people who have had terrible accidents that were self-induced because of foolishness, and they should have been killed instantly. And they escaped with not even a scratch. God Weighs and measures every trial, even the self-induced ones. Now, that doesn't mean that we make that an excuse for us, does it? Because if we do, we're going to end up reaping what we've sown in the end, and it'll be a sad harvest. But God is saying he loves us enough to be the solution for every problem, even the problems that we have created because of the stubbornness of our hearts. That solution that is there does not come within ourselves. It comes from God. And that's what we're going to be sharing with you today. Because there is one solution that is the answer to every problem we face. And we're told trial is going to come to everybody. No one's exempt, whether they're little or whether they're big, whether you live in this country or a third world country. We're going to all have trials to, to Every one of us will have trials, but today we're going to share with you some of the joys that we have found in the solution today. You know, when we sang that opening hymn, it really drew my heart to, if we would come to understand how much Jesus wants to control our lives, not because he's a dictator, not because he wants to make our lives stern and narrow, but because he wants to make us have the happiest lives that we've ever experienced on this earth. 
He wants to bring us in such union with Him that when we face and go through the most difficult trials, we can go through it with a peace that passes all understanding. Amen. I mean, sometimes I find myself, uh, the classic examples, I guess, are, are on the telephone with MCI because of the problems that I'm having with my phone system. <laughs> and I'm on that phone, and it takes you a long time to get through the menu if you've ever had to work through this with customer service. And I finally get a human being on the other end who says they want to hear my problem. And I, I, I say to them, but, you know, I really, I really need to talk to your supervisor because I just talked to one of another agent before I got cut off last time. And they say, no, I really, I, Mr. I Waters, I, I can help you here. And then you go through the whole thing. And I tell you, I don't want to feel sorry for myself, but I had a huge problem with MCI. And I had to go through this whole thing with this operator. And then when she got done with me, she said, well, Mr. Waters, you know, I really can't handle this situation. I'm going to have to transfer you over. Now, it's not her fault, okay? I'm going to have to transfer you over to our computer department. And guess what happens when she transfers me over to the computer department? <laughs> you've, you've been on the same kind of phone call, right? You no, know, we share these simple things because these are the daily trials of life, aren't they? And God is calling to my heart in that situation saying, I can keep you. Will you let me? Amen. Do you understand, friends? More about Jesus, the solution to every problem. Not knowing more about Jesus. That's why I love that song. It just took me into the thoughts of this message this morning as we're singing it. And we didn't ask that song to be sung, by the way. I don't, I don't know. I guess, Jerry, that was your idea? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Amen. Spirit. Thank, Thank you. you. More about Jesus. More about how he works in me. More about how he wants to work in you. That's the more about Jesus, friends. More about how Jesus wants to work in our marriages to bring us heart to heart. More about how Jesus wants to keep us in every perplexity that we face in our marriage relationships. That union with Christ is the solution. Amen. And we cannot have union with Christ while we refuse to let go of a union with self. It cannot work. We cannot have self and union with Christ at the same time. It will not and cannot work, brothers and sisters. We can try to be a Christian. Have you ever tried? That means we try to be diplomatic when things don't go right. And I'm going to use the illustration Tom talked about with the phone company. Because out of Christ, he can be very diplomatic with those people on the phone. But then I walk into the room. You know what it's like, wives? And you walk into the room and you, you say, honey, you know, and then all of a sudden the diplo diplomacy uh, is no longer there. Now, I am not the problem, but I am the one sometimes who gets the consequences of the, the results of the problem or what started the problem. And that's what we find happening in homes today is that 
when we are trying to be a Christian outside of Christ, we do not have that marriage union with Christ, and we're trying to be a Christian without Christ in us, we become very diplomatic, and we can treat each other very nicely, but it fails in the home. You know, we're told if we can be a Christian in the home, we can be a Christian anywhere. We can be a Christian everywhere. Diplomacy is not the answer that will never resolve conflict in the home, in the marriage relationship. We can't just try to control our tone and our expression. I'm going to be calm and be very direct, but I'm not going to get angry. That won't work. Neither can we try to manage our situation in our own self, outside of Christ. We can even try to put in superhuman effort I'm not going to become impatient with my child. I just am not going to be. And we can focus on what I am going to do or I am not going to do. And we can put forth superhuman effort. I mean, it's a physical drain. But if we do not have that union with Christ, all those are of no value at all. And every time we try to use one of these measures... To solve problems or conflict, to work through difficulties in the marriage relationship or in the home or wherever, they're always going to fail. I like to say it this way. Sometimes we use willpower Mm -hmm. in place of divine power. And I used to do this for many years in my Christian experience. That means that we use the willpower, which is the power that's given to every one of us. All all are given a measure of faith. All are given willpower. It's the power to make a choice. One choice at a time. It is the power that every man, woman, and child is given to make a choice when a choice needs to be made. And too often, because we're unwilling to make the choice to let self be subdued, which is the first choice in temptation, what we end up doing is that instead of making that choice, because for self to die, self is like a drowning man. When a drowning man goes down, I don't care what his talents are or abilities in the water, that man is going to flounder for everything he's worth to get his head above the water. That is what self is like. And because self is so tenacious... Instead of making the first choice to let self be subdued and to let Christ and his power work in us, here's what too often happens. We move past that decision. And I used to think it was an unconscious decision, but it really isn't. We move past that. We move past the decision to let self be subdued. And we start trying to manage the temptation in our own strength. Because we know it's the right thing to do. We know it's wrong to get upset at the operator with MCI. And so, instead of yielding self, we start to do it in self. And this is where Christianity has failed for many years. This is where Christianity has become a drudgery. And this is where marriages are failing today. Because we are trying to be pious. We are trying to carry out the power of the gospel in the flesh. Can you imagine that? Trying to live Christ in self? That's what we've tried to do too many times. And it can happen in every kind of circumstance. I remember the situation where 
We had finished a series of meetings, and I'll tell you, sometimes it can be very exhausting. (laughs) A lot of energy is expended. And we had just finished a long series of meetings, and there was an opportunity for us to have some rest at a quiet place. And oh, what a welcome rest it was. You know, Jesus said, come ye yourselves apart and rest for a while. You know, that's something that needs to be taken into the marriage relationship too. Amen. You know, sometimes our marriages can be going so fast that we don't even take any time to rest and just enjoy the marriage that God has given us and the communication. Well, I was delighted. My wife, when she's in the, the meeting setting like this, she doesn't always rest real well. <laughs> she's in a different bed and... You know, the, the circumstances and talking and, you know, various things. Different people react differently. I'm the type of person that, you know, it doesn't matter what stresses I'm under. When I lay down, it's time to go to sleep. <laughs> Anywhere between 30 seconds and two or three minutes, I'm out. <laughs> My wife, on the other hand, she tends to go over things. And she may lay there for hour or two. And so we were in the situation where my wife could have total rest. And I was so delighted, and I mean honestly delighted, that she could just rest. In fact, she, she was so able to rest that she fell asleep about 7 o'clock. <laughs> and I thought it was wonderful. Just got a wonderful night's rest. And, and the next night she, she did the same thing. <laughs> And I thought that was wonderful too. But the third night, I didn't think it was so wonderful. <laughs> and I started thinking about who? I started thinking about me. Now you see, my wife and I, when we're in the setting where uh, we're out of our normal routine and we don't have that good communication time, evening is our communication time. We call it pillow talk. And I was starting to feel, who was starting to feel? I. (laughs) That's a big word, isn't it? (laughs) A real big word when you put that in self. I was starting to feel um, neglected. Starting to feel a little sorry for myself. You know, men do that too, (laughs) if men are honest. We have our own ways of doing that. And the Lord called to my heart, and I recognized that call, and I let it go. Next morning, my wife wakes up, and and this is the other side you have to know. (laughs) When morning time comes, that's when my mind is not so sharp and keen. (laughs) Five o'clock in the morning, you know, my wife may be awake at 4.30 or 5 o'clock, and she's saying, Honey, do you hear the birds singing? (laughs) said, no, I didn't hear the birds singing. (laughs) And she's just as bright as the the morning, and she wants to talk now. And then that self comes in. What does self say now? You know, last night, I wanted to talk. (laughs) I had things on my mind. (laughs) Well, I didn't say that. I'm learning, you know, I'm honestly learning that the way of the cross leads home. And there is no happiness and rest in self. But the devil just kept working at that self. And pretty soon, I found myself wanting to diplomatically, you notice she used that word earlier. I didn't want to get into self. 
But I wanted my wife to know that I wasn't particularly happy with the fact that she fell asleep on me the night before when I was trying to explain something that was important to me. Because that's actually what she did. (laughs) She fell asleep on me. And so I had one of those little promptings from the Lord that I didn't need to say that. But I convinced myself, and I use this simple example because this is happening in homes all the time. And it doesn't matter how many souls you have reached, how far you have advanced in the Christian walk, if you let go of that union with Christ and say, I want to say what I want to say right now, you are not safe in that situation. Mm -hmm. That's self. We're not safe for a moment in it. And there I was, I convinced myself that I could talk to my wife without getting self-involved. Just, you know, good communication. But it didn't work that way because self was at the seat of it. Self was at the bottom of it. And so the conversation didn't go the way that I planned it to go because I had just anticipated that I'll tell my wife how I felt last night and then she'll say, you poor thing, you know, I was really mean to you. And she actually didn't do that. I just said I was really tired, honey. (laughs) And you know, normally, like I said, the first two nights I thought it was just wonderful. My wife is getting this wonderful rest that she needs. But you know, she didn't respond the way that my underlying self wanted to hear. Because the self-pity that I was feeling, well disguised, I thought, was not what she responded to. She simply shared the truth, what was on her heart. She couldn't come up with some fabrication for me to make me feel better because you can never make self feel better, brothers and sisters. You cannot do it. And so I recognized that this was not getting anywhere. And so I got up and went for a walk, a long walk. You know, walks are good along with God. You know what I like about God, even though I don't always like it at the time? When I start giving God my sob story, and that's really what self is all about, brothers and sisters. God does not enter into it either. God has a way of cutting right through self. And I tried to explain my case to the Lord, and the Lord did not have any pity on me. The Lord spelled it out in clear letters to me. Yes, diplomatic, outwardly pious. This is what he said to me in the stillness of my mind. This is not an audible voice. Just alone, walking with God. Diplomatic, pious, outwardly pious, but self to the core. Oh, brothers and sisters, we need to hear that. Because God is interested in getting to the core of our marriages. To the core of our hearts. If you think that we will enter the gates of heaven with outward piety and diplomacy, we're going to be sadly disappointed, brothers and sisters. And I came back from that walk with God very subdued and ready to recognize what I'd done to my wife, and we had a beautiful time together with the Lord. 
Because now I'm willing to just let the mask, if you will, the self that's trying to be covered up, I was willing to admit it. Describe to her and admit to her what was really behind it. Do you think she knew? Do you think she had a clue of what was happening? Absolutely. I have the same flesh. <laughs> to know the real problem leads to finding the real solution. Amen. So we have to be willing to look and say, Lord, the problem is my heart. And we're told that the cause of division and discord in families is separation from Christ. Mm. The cause of discord and, and, separ- and, uh, discord and division in a marriage relationship it doesn't have to be a physical division. It can just be an emotional, a word division like Tom was just expressing. It's separation from Christ. So the solution is union with Christ. Jesus said it like this, For their sakes I sanctify myself. This is the Son of God who is perfect. And he says, Because I love you, and I love you, and I love you, I love all of you, I will sanctify myself. He was never at odds with his disciples. Have you thought about that? Did Jesus ever walk away feeling, Oh, I just wish Peter would get his act together. He was never at odds with his disciples, not even with Judas. You can read about that account in the book, Desire of Ages. It should make our hearts weep at the pettiness of the things that cause divisions in marriages. Christ knew that Judas was betraying him for eternity. He knew that Judas was turning his back on him and choosing another master that was going to lead him not only to eternal to the present death, but ultimately to eternal death. And Jesus' heart was in love with him. Hungering for him. Hungering for him. He wasn't embarrassed about him. He didn't go around, John, do you know what Judas is about ready to do to me? He lovingly protected him. God wants us to have this kind of relationship with our spouse doesn't mean that the disciples were never at odds with Christ because the, we can read through God's word and find out that they were had their bits of irritations with Jesus. But because Christ was never at odds with them because he was sanctified by his Father in heaven. He had love, a love that was an eternal love in his heart for his, his disciples. This, this sanctification that it's talking about here, to be one with Christ, means that I will allow God to sanctify my thoughts. What I think about my husband, they will be sanctified. I will allow God to sanctify my eyes. That means I begin to have divine eyesight, not to see every situation the way I want to see it, but the way God wants me to see it and see it in relationship to my husband and to the us in our marriage relationship. God wants to sanctify my ears that I hear his spirit call to my heart. That I don't just hear the flesh wanting to rise and, and so quickly take over and all, follow after the lies of the devil. God wants to sanctify my ears that I will hear a better way. Hear him say, this is a better way to answer your husband. To hear my husband, what he's really saying, even though he doesn't say it the way I may like it. God wants to sanctify our emotions, our feelings. He wants to sanctify every part of our being. 
And when we allow that sanctification to happen, which comes through that union with him, we will find harmony in our home. You know, human love is not enough. And in the book Adventist Talmud, page 99, it says, Human love can never, never bear its precious fruit until it is united with the divine nature. Now, it doesn't stop there. We've talked a little bit about that. Letting our humanity or choosing to have our humanity united with divine nature, which means that we're choosing to let self be subdued and Christ come into us and work in us and through us. Then it goes on and it says, united with the divine nature and trained to grow heavenward. Do you know what training is? Training is very different than teaching. Okay? Training has to do with well, what comes to my mind is the experience that my brother had in boot camp training. <laughs> there was a very specific purpose in that training, wasn't there? They had to take somebody, uh, a 19-year-old, who was used to, and they come from all over the world, they're all over the United States, and they're used to maybe a lazy lifestyle, or some of them may have worked on a farm, some of them are fat, some of them are skinny, all of them have to be trained for one purpose, right? And they're all brought into one program, and they're worked in that program. And God is trying to bring us as husbands and wives into a training program with him. He wants to train us in how we can serve him and then serve one another. It is a training program, friends. And when we came to understand this, it made a real difference because everything in life requires training if you're going to be successful. When I went from radiology in a hospital setting to selling real estate and to become a real estate broker, I went through a huge difference in the training program. But I recognized that if I was going to be successful, I would have to come under the training. And when we recognize that there is a training, we might call it a retraining in our marriage relationships, it's a program God is trying to put us on. And it's going to require commitments, it's going to require time, and it's going to require recognizing that that training will never be successful unless we are united with the divine nature of Christ. This is what it means to have more about Jesus. The solution to every problem. You know, some people said, you don't understand. Our problems are so big, we don't even know where to start. And they will start sharing uh, these very big problems. We found that those big problems stem from little problems. And when we start addressing the day-by-day, minute little irritations of the day, that we don't have big problems anymore. Because those big problems are conquered one step at a time by dealing with a moment-by-moment relationship in our home. Therefore, the big problems go away. Big problems come as a result of accumulation of lots of little problems that have never been let go of. I want to share with you an example of a little thing that can, that in my experience, set a little irritation in my heart. It's talking. We were talking about sanctifying our ears to really hear. 
One of the things I do in our home is I've got an address book. In the back of that address book, I have all the months listed, and under those months, I have listed every day of friends and family that we want to remember their birthday or their anniversary so that I can send them cards. Because in my mind, I just don't remember everybody's birthday. And uh, so I have these all listed out, and I have a habit of every few weeks going through that and looking ahead and planning, oh yes, my mother's birthday is here and my brother's birthday is there and so on and so forth. And then I prepare some thoughts on a card or, or prepare maybe a little homemade gift or something from our family to that individual. And that has worked well for a number of years, but I always haven't remembered to look at the book. And so I remember this day, I said to my husband, see, we can even start our own problems. I said, I can't believe it. I forgot so-and-so's birthday. I didn't even send him a card. And yet I thought about him just last week. And, of course, in my humanity, or maybe it's a couple weeks before, I thought, oh, it's too early. I'll remember. I'll, you know, and we kind of put it off when the, when the thought first came. And so I put it off thinking, I've got plenty of time. I've actually had cards written, ready to go out, and then forget to mail them. And that's what happened. I had t- forgotten when I had that thought about their birthday. And so I told that to my husband, and he, he came to me, and he wanted to make a suggestion to me. Now, mine didn't have sanctified ears, because I was feeling sorry for myself that I had messed up and I'd forgotten his birthday. So he came in, and as in very loving ways, says, Honey, have you thought about this? Too? And he started explaining what I could do to improve. Well, I didn't want to hear it. And so immediately I started making excuses. Well, you know, I usually don't forget And I started excusing myself. I started justifying. And it was because I had these extra things to do. And do you remember that you were the one who asked me if I would do such and such? In other words, he's the problem now because he's given me something else to do. And if I hadn't had to do what he wanted me to do, then I probably would have remembered. And then that birthday card could have gone out on time. (laughs) That is ears that are listening to the flesh of our nature that is stimulated by the adversary of our souls. And it's little situations like that that begin to break down the marriage union. If I was unwilling, at first I was unwilling to hear the Spirit, and the Spirit did call to my heart. The problem is, is I didn't want to hear the Lord either. I wanted to, I really wanted my husband to say, oh honey, you should do such a good job. I'm I'm really proud of you and you know, don't worry if you mess up once a year. But, that isn't what he came to me with. He had, he had another idea that would even improve my system better. And I didn't want to hear it. Instead of hearing what he had to say, I wanted to speak in defense of myself. But finally, not because the Lord was tardy, but because I was stubborn. But finally I allowed that spirit of God to work in my heart. Because I do want harmony in our home. I don't want little problems to be there. I don't want to be selfish. And you know, every time I'm selfish, I always feel it. And it's yucky. You know what self feels like? It's yucky, isn't it? And I didn't, I wouldn't feel good. I was yucky. And I wasn't pleased. And I said, Lord, I will listen. And I came back to my husband and I told him, I'm sorry. That I didn't really want to hear what you had to say. And now I am willing. See, the solution to our problem, that division in our marriage, was not my husband. It was just me at that time. But my choice caused a division in our relationship. It brought a problem. 
And I then was the one who needed to make the choice to bring harmony into the home through union with Christ. When I found and surrendered myself to the Lord and I had that union with Christ, there was perfect harmony with my husband. And, you know, I looked at that and I thought, how petty that is. I mean, it's almost embarrassing to tell you how petty I am and how silly we can be. But I have discovered that it's those little incidences of the day, and they come sometimes by bushel loads in our day, that if we do not find the union with Christ in those things, we find a very big problem, not just in our marriage, but in all of our other relationships with people. You know, it really isn't embarrassing to us to share these things with you. People sometimes come to us and say, how can you be so vulnerable to tell about your failures in front of people? (laughs) But freely we have received the grace of God and freely we want to share that with you. You see, it would be more difficult for us to share these experiences with you if they just continued to be our current situation. But I can just as freely tell you that we are taking hold of the power of the grace of Jesus Christ. And we are gaining victory after victory after victory in the way of the cross. And the burden of our hearts is that people, young and old, would come to recognize that there is more than saying, I surrender. That there is more than giving a theoretical an intellectual consent or assent to saying, yes, I want to do the will of my Heavenly Father. It goes beyond that, brothers and sisters. It goes far, far beyond that. You see, the success that we are gaining in finding the solution, the solution with a capital S, the solution in union with Christ, we are finding Because in every situation that we are faced with, we are taking hold of the same solution. And by taking hold of that solution, I mean we are not continuing to justify ourselves. The big I, the big capital self, is getting smaller and is being subdued more often. And the more that is being subdued, the bigger Christ is becoming in our lives. It's more of Jesus and less of self. It's less of realizing and believing the lies of the devil in our married life experience. It's more of receiving Christ. And if there's one thing that we yearn for people to understand, it is not enough to just say, I surrender. There's a difference between between saying, I surrender, and really surrendering to Jesus Christ. A real surrender to Jesus Christ means we will take whatever action he calls us to take, no matter how crucifying it is to self. Not I, but Christ. Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the same faith, the very same faith. As the Son of God, who loved me and did what? And gave himself for me. I love my wife. I'm learning to love my wife with the same kind of love that Jesus loved us with and is loving us with, and am willing more often now 
to give myself to my wife. That's the culmination of the recipe for a happy home. 1 Corinthians 13, the ending words there that Christ gives to us, it says, love never fails. That's divine love, and that's his love that he wants to impart to our hearts. That unfailing love from Christ is the thing that will bring us union in our homes. It will solve every problem that we have, no matter how little or how big. And it will solve them one decision at a time. When we allow his love that never fails to fill our hearts, to find that union with him. And that means for you, brothers and sisters today, that at the first insinuation of Satan... When you start to make an excuse for your flesh because you've done it this way for so many years or so many months, at the first insinuation of the devil coming to you, you will receive a prompting from the Holy Spirit and you have a choice to make. Not I, but Christ, the solution to every problem. Amen. Will you kneel with us as we pray? Father in heaven, Oh, Father, how we thank you for your mercy that endures forever. Amen. But, Father, we also recognize that while your mercy will endure forever, only those that are found in union with you will endure along with that mercy. Amen. Someday your mercy will end for the impenitent, for those who are refusing that still, small voice calling to our hearts. Oh, Lord, I pray that as we leave this place today, that at the first insinuation of self and Satan, we will recognize that call to our heart, that we will recognize the grace that you are ministering to us in that call and the grace that you will give to us to make that choice and the power that you will give to us to carry out that decision. Bring us together, marriages, heart to heart, for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.